The following podcast is a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be sent to DeSantisProd at gmail.com. The Morning Wood Show. What's his name? Dean Nuts. The Morning Wood Show with Dean Nuts. Here are your hosts, Tyron Woodley and Dean Thomas. Welcome back, y'all. Oh, let's start this. Hey, we ain't been back in a while. I know. That's why we messed up. And don't even re-record. We just don't go with it. Yeah, what is happening? In the back, they sound like you're in a restaurant. Yeah, I was in a restaurant, but I'm going to step outside. So I'm being ghetto this week. But hopefully the audio is still great. With your boys being ghetto because I'm outside of a Thai restaurant grabbing some food. Because I'm starving like Marvin. I've been in this damn L.A. traffic, which I know my man TJ can attest to. Um, but it's been long overdue, Dino. Oh, man, tell me about it. I almost feel bad because, like, everywhere I go, people are like, man, when y'all going to do another morning wish show? When y'all do another morning wish show? I'm like, it's coming, man. It's coming. Yeah. So here it is, y'all. We back in effect. And, and we, we want to give a disclaimer, too, you know, um, you know, it's been some interest on some some people picking up our podcast and actually putting it on, you know, putting on different airways where, you know, we got a lot of more access. We don't want to put it out there yet. Actually, I do kind of want to put it out there to put some pressure on these people to make sure they get it done. But um, t- title has shown some interest, not interest, interest. Get my tongue, my heavy ass tongue off the top of my top of the roof of my mouth. But they've shown some interest in maybe having our podcast um, air on one of their um, little networks. So um, big things going on for every man. We we all over the place. My Me, man, I'm he, listen. I'll be thinking well, I'm why? all over the place until I start going on your Snapchat. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be like, man, I, I I'll be thinking I'm doing something like I'm moving something, and then I go on your Snapchat, and I'm like, if this my fool, snap my snap story be like every time you click, I'm in a different state. Instead of doing, it. doing a different thing, I'm in a different state. Yeah, I'm like this. This fool is out of control. So it's been a while since we since we shot one of these, man. And what what's been going down with you? Because like we haven't even really got up. So like this is an opportunity for both of us to just catch up. You know that's actually true. You know since since last time we spoke, I just signed to do a show on TMZ. So make sure you guys check that out. It's called the Hollywood Beatdown with Tyron Willis. My own show. Uh, I've been on my own show for a very long time, so this is a, a great start. So you can go to the TMZ Sports, either their Facebook page or their YouTube channel, and this is going to be um, live every Friday. So every Friday, once a week, you'll get me talking. You know, I got a segment on there called On The Real, though. That's when they just let me just go off. Like, this okay. week, hey, On The Real, though, this is how I'm feeling. This is how I feel about this topic. You know, we, we got a top five list of, you know, things that are really hot topics right now. Um, then we got... A portion called who could get it if i was giving it then blah 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 could get it you know oh. i had to get that clear because you know can get my butt kicked for for that segment but it's all fun and games it's really just shout out beautiful women in entertainment so we're doing that segment uh, we skipped that segment this week for the obvious harvey um, weinstein oh um, yeah information in the, in the news so it wouldn't have been appropriate for us, uh, for us to use that, so we avoided that this week. But yeah, doing that, man, um, doing a lot of UFC on Fox. Um, I was freaking centimeters away from landing the Kevin Hart movie. I was the top person audition for a new movie he's doing called Night School. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and man, I was so close to getting this part. They end up giving it to the rapper Fat Joe just because 
he was Kevin Hart's friend. So as long as I know I was the top choice on talent, on audition, and I felt like I did the best and I got crazy reviews, I can live with that. I was a little salty because it is an entertainment game. It's who you know. And Fat Joe got the spot just because he's friends with um, um, Kevin Hart. So uh, miss out on that. But, yeah, many more to come. That's, that's, that's pretty much for me, man. And just um, I'm watching the welterweight division deck get shuffled. You got uh, Robbie Lawless fighting RDA. I had to, had to put him in his place today on Twitter. Yeah, he, I saw he, that. He, de- he decided to think that this should be for an interim belt. Uh, last time I checked, I ain't seen no um, champions not only fight the number one contenders, but actually fight four world title fights in less than 12 months. So if somebody else is doing that, let me know. I don't think they are. So sit down somewhere. Why would you want an interim title anyway? That's like I know the, that's like that. Like you that's your goal. Belt? You want the <laughs> booboo belt? Yeah. You want to walk around and be a fake champ? Like no, dog. So I told him, hey, get through Robbie and come holler at these hands when you get done. Yeah, I, I saw that, man. And it's crazy that these dudes is trying to come at you, especially when they know you hurt. You know what oh I'm saying? God, they're such pansies. They know you hurt. They wanna, they wanna, you know, pop off, pop off but at the mouth. As we say, Dean, they think they want some. But they don't really want none. <laughs> True. <laughs> so, so how, man, how did you land that that TMZ gig? It, was you just like in, out out in LA, or because I know like you have like a, a solid relationship with them as far as like whenever they come to do interviews, I know that you like you like know all them dudes and and like you get along with them and you're easy to work with. Like, did they just say, hey man, let's you should have your own show? How did that work out? You know, it's crazy because it's like it's like this. You know, one thing that I like, I love when someone picks me up based upon my skill, my talent, and what they see in me. Um, sometimes it's frustrating at times when I feel like the UFC, you know, they're promoting um, the wrong guys at times, the people that haven't proven themselves yet, the people that haven't consistently been professional to make weight, the people that have been uh, abusing PEDs. When you got a, basically a person that's done all the work for you, that all he needs is just a little jumper cable, boom, 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 to, to catapult them to start them, and the, the owner, Harvey, came up to me. He said, man, you're my favorite analyst on Fox. You got a really good look for television. You're really talented. You got a great future in TV, man. You know, I just want to come up to you personally and say that. Harvey, the guy that owns yeah. he said that. And then no it kidding. was his idea. He sat down with Evan. And those guys say, you know what? Out of all the guests we bring in uh, uh, for the show that are like guest hosts, he's the best. Why don't we just do a show with him? So then we, we put it to... Put it to a contract, got it done, and there we go. I hear that. But I, see, that's the thing, man. And, like, you've always been such a prolific hustler. And I always use you as, like, the role model and, and uh, of, of who fighters should follow when it comes to, like, what are you doing when you're not in the room training? You know, because all these guys, they spend all this time training. It's almost like they train – train too much for where they're at in, in yeah. a lot of times i feel like they're they're training so much and they're not doing anything to help brand themselves or market themselves yeah. and create their brand i'm always like dude like if you if you guys had uh if you knew how much tyron puts into his brand and puts into his his craft outside of fighting you guys would be amazed especially compared to what they do because most fighters don't do anything i'm like man Y'all need to get it together. Yeah, you know, and, and a lot of people just don't understand that it is a lot about branding. You got to find a balance, which I haven't found. 
you're never really going to find a perfect balance, but you got to continue to search and find it because it is about branding. It is about your image. It is about how many people you can get excited or want to see you get beat up. Either way you go, you got to have people want and they care and invest it. And if you can do that, then you become a household name. Now you got to still have the skill set, still have, you know, the, the, the strategy and, and the look to go out there and put on the performances and back up what you say. So it's hard. That's why Conor McGregor became such a big star because he didn't do it every time. But 70, 80 percent of the time, he backed up what he said and it made him to, to be this crazy superstar because people just are looking to be entertained. They're looking for a story that they can believe in and somebody they can get behind. And they don't care if it's half fake. You know what I mean? They're willing to accept it. And fighters see that rubric and they think they can just do that. Well, you can't just do that, brother. You got to have the credentials. You got to be in position to fight for a title. And you got to have the skills. And when you don't have those and you're trying to do that, you make yourself look stupid. And that's my issue with the sport right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt about it. And like, because, you know, it's like some, some, at some point, the sport changed from like, you know, really about who was the best. And if you was the best and you, good chances, you know, you're probably gonna make more money than everybody else. But something happened along the lines where it was like no longer about who was the best. It was really kind of like, who can get the most eyeballs on them? And what do you got to do to do that? And, um, and again, and I, and I really don't, I don't think there's nothing wrong with that, honestly. I mean, you know, it also keeps you, you know, versatile as a human being. Did you have other skill sets outside of fighting? And when you can exploit that, then yeah, you're gonna have better chances. You gotta, you gotta have other skill sets outside of fighting. And even if it's, you know, transitioning into a coach and owning a gym, or if it's, you know, get into real estate and use it a lump sum of money that, you know, you you make in fighting it to try to invest it. You gotta think about setting yourself ahead. It's not a sport. It, you know, maybe a handful of guys. Maybe you'll see. 10 guys total over the next 10 years and make enough money to actually retire from fighting, you won't, you won't be that guy that do that. But if you sit there and you think that you will be, you're going to set yourself up for failure and you're going to be, you know, on one of those shows, those has-beens, 30 for 30. Uh-huh. And people are going to be telling stories about who had it and don't have it anymore. I just refuse to be that guy. So that's why, you know, when I, when I go down, I'm planning on when I go down from for my surgery, and I already got planned what's gonna happen. I'm gonna get one of my books started um, that I that I want to write. You know, hopefully it'll be done in six six to eight months. I don't know the timeline on the book, but I know when I set a goal and I speak it out into existence, I gotta make it happen. So I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna work on my foundation. I'm gonna work on get my nonprofit. Those are the things I'm planning on what to do when I'm down for four months and I can't train and I can't fight. I'm already planning on how to stay proactive and how to keep my brand going and how to keep my name in the mix. I'm still going to have the podcast. I'm still going to have the TV show. I'm still going to be on Fox. You're still going to hear about me whether you like it or not, and you can't stop it. And when I come back, it's like I never left. And whoever's there, whoever's ready to get these hands, because everybody thinks they want it right now, all these gun-bumping welterweights. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, don't, I remember having respect for my guys. I remember having respect for the guys that were in front of me. I remember earning it. I remember working my way up to the top, fighting the fights. And a lot of people think I waited. You know, that's the silliest shit ever. I waited. Like, I had an injury, and I had to take off from a 10-pound overweight opponent that I broke my foot in the first round, the first kick. And then I had an opponent not, you know what I mean, not even come to the fight. Yeah, And then yeah, I was told yeah. I was getting the title fight, and I was waiting on that. So, like, it, it's funny when people don't recognize my journey and how long it's been. Not just for me, but for you, for Duke, for... Everybody that, you know, 
been a part of this. This ain't been easy for us. And it's just been an endurance game. It's not been a sprint. It's been a, a long endurance race. And now we're here. And now we're trying to peel off on people. Like, pull so far away where, like, nobody can get close to even touching the goal. Ain't that the truth. And I tell you what, it's been a good ride. But speaking on... Speaking of peeling off on people, and I hate to change the subject real quick, but I got to bring this up because I know you heard this. I know you heard it. The, uh, the Eminem freestyle of, uh, of Donald Trump. And I, and I know that's like, you know, something we don't really get into on the show. But, hey, man, that's, that's pretty hot right you now. You know, it's funny. I heard it today, and I was talking about it. And the thing that I like about Eminem freestyle is that Eminem didn't have to do that. He's not no. an African American, um, African excuse me, African American that's having difficulty maneuvering in the United States of America. He's not, you know, someone that's on a lower income level that's that's having issues trying to make it. He's not suffering those problems. So for him to go out there and just drop bars because it's the right thing to say and these things that are going on are wrong, man, he got hey, I got his back. <laughs> yeah, man, he took a um, he took a lot. It's a lot of responsibility. For him yeah. to come out and do that. I mean, like you said, he didn't have to do it. But you know what is funny is that, like, the biggest, one of the biggest issues that we have in this country is that people only feel that, like, you have to be directly affected by the problem to stand up for people that are having that problem. And that's not true. It's almost like, you know, this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And if I wanted to support that cause, I'd wear a pink shirt. Now, obviously, I don't have breast cancer. But I can still support the cause. Now, then that's the same thing with like guys like Eminem sticking up or standing up for the problems that's going on with all the African Americans, you know, the racial disparity, or even the football players. Honestly, yeah, and you know, his a lot of his peers are African American. A lot of people yeah. in pop culture, the people that he watched and basically brought him up and helped develop his style, those are African Americans. And and if he's been able to benefit from the culture, if he's been able to benefit. For, for being a product of it, I think it's, it's kind of his duty to actually stand up. You know what I mean? I, I think it's anybody that has a platform to speak out on something that's negative, that's going on, that's not right, you should speak out on it. If, if you feel like the the, the commander-in-chief and the, the leader of the free nation is not focusing on political issues, policies, and he's focusing too much on professional athletes using their First Amendment right nonviolently, and then you got natural disasters, hurricanes, earthquakes, um, threats of nuclear war. And you're, the, the, the CNN topic is Trump talking about football players. Like, that's not, that's not, that's not a good um, usage of time, in my opinion. I yeah. think it shows the vision, and it shows us to be vulnerable, and it makes other countries want to step up and pull up on us. Well, it's obviously a distraction. Like, I mean... You know, obviously they use that as a distraction to keep your mind off of all the other issues, you know, so that we're not hating on them for all these other issues. So it's easier to just go, uh, you know what, let's let's pick on these dudes, these millionaires that are making, uh, you know, buku bucks and are not standing for the flag. Let's pick on them as opposed to really, you know, focusing on the issues at hand. And I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I, I tell you what, Tyron, like I, I try to not really pay attention to these things because, I mean, it really does get my blood boiling thinking about all this political stuff. And, you know, and it's crazy, too, because when you go on social media, like, people that you thought was, like, your homie that was, like, cool. Oh, Facebook. And, and, Facebook yeah, man, like, like, it's like, 
dude. Yeah, they, man. Like they I, just, Facebook got a way of weeding out the, the friends that you thought was a hundred, and they ain't nothing but fifty percent. Yeah, you be like, and then you try, I try to give them the be- I be trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. Well, like, well, you know, maybe, and I'm like, nah, I gotta let this one go. Yeah, I gotta let gotta I gotta let my home like, go. Yeah, I gotta let my home go. It's the first time on social media that uh, that you actually really unfriend somebody in real life. Not like, oh, I'm gonna follow you. I'm your friend. I like this. It's in real life. You know what? I'm good on you. I had a, I had a guy you should train with. It was a training partner of mine for years, years. Box with this dude, train with this dude, and then during the stuff of Ferguson, he started putting out these very insensitive posts. Um, you know, basically attacking African Americans, and after that point, I haven't spoken to that person since. Yeah, see, that's just foul. I mean, at the end of the day, man, all we ask for is, like you said, like these these guys, they put up these insensitive posts. I mean, what's wrong with being a compassionate human being and having an understanding of what somebody else is going through? Yeah, and and, and that's, that's the, you know that leads me to my next plug. Make sure you guys go to Trump Trip and Die Shop T. R U M P T R I P P I N dot shop. We're yeah, going hey, to get t- proceeds hey. from this. I gotta send you something, Dino, too. Yeah, tell hey, tell yeah, tell them about that, man. I mean, that's yeah, some Trump tripping dot shop is just a movement. Um, and once again, tripping does not have a G. It's the kind of the slang word. So Trump tripping dot shop. You can go there, purchase T-shirts. Proceeds of the T-shirts are going to go to. Relief in Puerto Rico. So also going to basically reallocate the, not only the funds but the focus on what we feel like the president should be focusing on. It's our playful way of saying, "Hey, you know what? He's tripping, dog." People who voted for him, that supported him, that paid for some of his campaign said, "Dog, you need to. Somebody need to take your phone from you. You on there talking <laughs> to this crazy freaking communist, you know, about nuclear stuff on Twitter." You think it us all shooken up over here, bro? So I just feel like he's tripping. The focus needs to be redirected as a nation. We need to, you know, be one nation. You know what I mean? Not divided. You know, whatever the rest of the stuff is. We need that's what we need to focus on. And I think he's tripping. So go to our support. We got a couple of different designs. Be bold, man. Be proud. Wear that mug with some straight up pride. Even if you voted for the dude, he's tripping. If if I was tripping. And sometimes I need a timer tripper shirt because I'm tripping. But but it's just like being real <laughs> with it, man. Being real with it and, you know, the focus, you know, we ain't talking about curing cancer, curing AIDS, world hunger, breast cancer. You know what I mean? All these different issues that we have here. You know, just how many people are. I'm, I'm going to LA. You know how many homeless people? I just came out of the um, grocery store today and the dude was washing his clothes in a toilet and scrubbing Damn. his shoes in a sink and had the whole floor wet. And that's all he can do. And we sitting here like <laughs> trying to um, talk about how these NFL players are, are voicing their opinion, and then you almost borderline support the KKK in South Carolina or North Carolina, whatever heck there was at. That ain't that. That shows division. That shows favoritism, and that shows that you're giving a platform for hatred. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. So on that, man, let's take a quick break, man. We come right back. So listen, everybody, check out Trump Trippin', no G. That's TrumpTrippin.shop. Check that out. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back with the Morning Wood Show. In these nuts. You thought I was going to forget it, didn't you? <laughs> 
This morning when I woke up, well, I had morning wood. It's the Morning Wood Show with D's Nuts. I find morning wood to be very, very annoying. <laughs> Affliction clothing is driven by passion and those who desire to live fast. Affliction is bold and believes in craftsmanship over commodity. Clothing styles for men, women, and kids from denim to designer outerwear. Affliction offers free shipping on all domestic orders over $125. So go to afflictionclothing.com to check out all their latest styles. That's afflictionclothing.com. Hey, this is Will Lightweight Champion, and you're listening to, to the morning. <laughs> <laughs> can't even say it. <laughs> the, the, hey, we're going to use that one. <laughs> with these nuts. Yeah, one more time. Hey, this is Will Brooks, the Bowtie Lightweight Champion, and you're listening to the morning wood. <laughs> the morning... <laughs> The Morning Wood Show, right? The Morning Wood Show. The Morning Wood yeah. Show. With these nuts. With these nuts. And we are back, man. Back with the Morning Wood Show. Me and Dino, man. Dino, we've been out yes, for sir. a minute, man. But now we back. I know, man. And I, I feel bad. We owe it to the fans. I'm sorry, y'all. We're going to try not to take such a long hiatus. And we're going to keep y'all We gonna keep y'all in touch with us. So, yeah, man. We back, man. I, I, I had a... um. Interesting weekend. I went to Vegas last week with Will Brooks. He unfortunately didn't get the fight, which was which kind of was sucked for him because he was really in a good place mentally, physically, and you know he's a talented individual. And I was looking forward to yeah, I was looking forward to watching him fight not only as a coach but as a fan because I've you know I think he's a talented individual. But he didn't get to fight. But um, obviously I I shouted him out to um, it was yesterday. Yesterday um. The UFC, um, uh, uh, someone asked Tony Ferguson about fighting me, and he, and he's just basically in, in a very, you know, respectable way, um, kind of deflected. It was like, hey man, you know, I bet you can't beat me in a sprint or a four, uh, like a forty-yard dash. I said, hey, let me tell you something. No fighter, not one fighter on the UFC fight roster want to see me in a forty-yard dash or hundred-yard dash. It's not uh, one yeah. person. I, I saw said, that. The closest to will be Will Brooks and Sergio Pettis. Sergio Pettis might he might be a close neck and neck. That dude's got Sergio got some stupid, wheels on him? Oh my God. Stupid wheels. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either until I until I got a dose. But I seen Will run. Will Will can boogie man. Will yeah, he he's the he's the champ at ATT man. Nobody can I, touch I, him at ATT. I, I was out there getting it in. I saw him watching me. I said, no nah, I see you. I see you unofficially watching me. I said, yeah. if you want to, you know, you can step on this line. We can, we can end the curiosity. <laughs> yeah, that would be. Hey, we should. Hey, you should do that. You should come down, man. Hey, we I'm can definitely. Make a, we can make a I'm segment out of that. But um, I'm always with it. but yeah, but he didn't get the fight. Um, but I think the biggest thing that happened that night obviously was DJ. Uh, you know, breaking the record, getting those. Oh, you're gonna, you're just gonna let Nick Lentz off like that, right? Well, should I should I not? I mean, I don't know if I want hey, to. You know, you know, I oh. just I just came from doing the TMZ show, so I, okay. I I'm in the mood to not let anybody off. Okay, hey, listen, I don't, I don't got a problem with roasting nobody. Okay, well, let me put it like this: this is my thing, and it's not it's not particularly just towards Nick Lentz. It's towards the sport of MMA. Just be honest. Say I ain't gonna make weight. That's that's <laughs> all I gotta say because I'm tired of this. Go to the hospital. I'm dehydrated. Complications. If any mother sucker go to the hospital during fight week, every doctor on earth is going to say, yo, ass dehydrated. You know why? Because you dehydrated, and so is yeah, everybody else. For gonna sure. Say you might not be fit to fight right then. At that current moment, nobody's going to be fit to fight at that moment. But it's a rehydration process that we all know very well. 
and I think it's unprofessional, it's distasteful, it's not thinking about your opponent and his training cap and his money that he spent into it all the time. And now they're supposed to, you know what I mean? The same thing with DJ. He had to remain focused. They had to reschedule his fight. You know what I mean? And, you know, he got a lot at stake. What if he would have yeah. got injured during that, you know, during that whatever? I don't even know if he call it a camp. I guess it's just staying sharp moment. That it's happened, it's become so gross in our sport that I think fighters need to re- reevaluate um, their weight classes and they really need to consider going up. Well, not only that, I mean, yes, they need to reevaluate their weight classes and or their lifestyle. It's like, right. I mean, you know, I mean, if you get a fight on short notice, okay, you got one week to fight this guy. All right, yeah, I can see you having issues. But you got a couple of months to diet, get yourself right, run, yeah. get out there, do all the stuff that... that Man, we got to fight a world necessary. title fight for five rounds on four weeks notice. Yeah. With the bull, I don't feel bad for nobody. I weigh 200 pounds, and I'm not fat. So if I can make it, and I watch guys like Paul Felder... Standing, standing in the freaking um, in the gym, eating the the most blandest meals possible, and he weighs one ninety five, and he finds a way to get down to one fifty five. I don't have no pity for you, my man. This Dude, is a professional sport. You yeah. get paid for this. Yeah, it's part of the job. You don't get paid just to to show up on fight night and fight. That's the that's the 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 cream, That's the icing, but the cake is the, all the work and making weight. So, yeah. yeah, you're right. And um, you're right. People it's need to reevaluate. Fights. That's the first battle. Yeah. I mean, I think not, not winning that first battle shows weakness. I mean, it shows weakness in the second battle. That's why I fought Kelvin Yasuo. You know, he wasn't yeah. disciplined at that time. So, if things get tough into the fight, I assume that you might give up in, that, in, in those situations as well. Yeah, and it's terrible, too, because, uh, you know, prior to the fight, you know, everybody's on, on social media talking about they feel great. This is the best camp they've ever had, blah, 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 blah. blah. And then when you come in and you can't make weight, you're 10 pounds over. It's like, dude, what are you talking about? Can we trust you? You know, so, I I mean, I don't know what's going to happen in his career, like I said, but I don't know. Like, It's just unfortunate that, you know, Will didn't get to showcase his skill set because I really feel like he was um, the Will we see back. And Nicholas was talking mad shit, too. I mean, let's be real. Yeah. So, like, you, yeah. Maybe it was a a tad bit of, tad bit of, Scared him, scariness as well. Yeah. The scare. I mean, fans, come on now. I'm not calling Nicholas out. I don't really, I really don't know Nicholas that well, but just know that some fighters are scared. And this yeah, sport yeah. of tough guys, but there are fighters that are scared of different matchups. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's a weird thing, man. I mean, um, you know, he. I don't know. Like I said, I guess I'm done. I'm done on him. Man. I'm done. I'm done on him. I, I can't. I don't want to. I can't give anything else on him. So uh, all right, well, let's move along. You too? Let's talk about DJ. <laughs> yeah, DJ. DJ. Yes, DJ broke the record. Um, just phenomenal. And everybody's saying, everybody's questioning, is he the goat? What do you think? Well, my thing is that it's tough to say who the goat is. Yeah, I think he's the most well-rounded fighter, the most consistent fighter, and the most disciplined fighter. That's why he's been able to rattle off those wins. Now, his competition may not be as stiff as the guys that John Jones beat, but is it his job to also go out there and pick opponents and find his, you know, find his contenders to compete against him? No, his job is to focus, fight. It's not his job to bounce around divisions. He is a 
lightweight. It's his job to go there and defend that belt as many times as possible. So some people criteria on what pound for pound is, if they have belts at different divisions, um, you know, quality of the competition and their finishing ability. But he's finishing 70% of his, out of his um, 11 defenses, seven of them were finishes. That's crazy. So yeah, that, that's fighting that's, the number one contender. Yeah, that's extremely crazy. I mean, I almost, like, when you look at the numbers and you look at the stats, it's almost like, how can you not say it that he's the GOAT? I mean, you can say what you want about competition, but, like, if you look at the wins of his opponents when he fought them compared to the wins of the opponents when, you know, John Jones, George St. Pierre, or Anderson Silva fought their guys, yeah. you know, it's very similar. It's not like it's it's, it's very. I think similar. it's more chances too. It's more yeah. chances at a lighter division for the four ounce. You know, you know, everybody got the four ounce chance. When yeah. someone's moving that fast at that light of weight, anybody can get clipped, cut, taken down. You know what I mean, put in a funky situation. They move so quick. And on top of that, what is the name of the sport? Mixed martial arts. So if you're yeah. a martial artist, one of the key components of a martial artist is a discipline. The reason why they call it disciplines, because you got to be disciplined and do each one of them. So I think yeah. on that aspect, along with what his actual title is, a mixed martial artist, it's not who's wearing a fly's fucking suit. It's not who's the most creative. It's not who's the most classy. It's who is the best martial artist. And he is by far the best martial artist. He is the GOAT. Yeah, I, I don't say you can't you can't argue with that. I mean, now when you talk about polarizing, yes, I mean, obviously John Jones, Anderson Silva, even George St. Pierre would be more polarizing, and they fought in more compelling divisions. The beginning of his career, yeah. you know, right? He, he's had he's had some it's some moments where you got some catch up when it's a very yeah. close matchup, and you know what I mean. The, the way that people might want to see you win the fight might not be the 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 the, the path of least resistance. So DJ has always taking the nail on the head. Dotson had that power. He found a way to take it away. Kicked him, kicked him in the head over and over, excuse me, over and over and over again where he couldn't utilize his power for him. Pressure him, put him against the cage. Though he didn't get the first eight takedowns, it didn't discourage him. He knew it was an important part of the game plan. He wore him down, and then it became nothing. Horiguchi, one of the fastest dudes in that division, bounced around like a jackrabbit. He found a way to box him in, corner him off, and take his gifts away from him. John Moraga, grinder. Got in his face. Until the last seconds, think of how many finishes DJ's got. Yeah. A few seconds left. I know, which he is never crazy. never stops trying to finish the guy. I mean, always critical on his performances. Always looking for something different. And always trying to minimize the moment, not making it larger than what it is. And, you know, say, I can get better. We're going to go back. We're going to work on this. I'm like, dude, you're nearly perfect. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I, and, I, and I don't fully buy the, the competition aspect or argument because... When you talk about Kyoji Horiguchi, man, like anybody in the gym under 145 pounds, maybe even and a lot of the 155 pounders, Kyoji give it gives them the business. You know what I'm saying? Joseph Kyoji, Benavidez, Henry Cejudo. Yeah, these, these guys are stud. These guys can fight, and like you, you, I will never buy the argument that he fights in a weak division just because I have seen these guys in the gym give guys in other divisions fits. I so I won't. I can't buy the argument, and the fact that DJ just runs through these guys like it's nothing, and he's so tiny, man. It's almost like some. I was with somebody in Vegas, and he kind of. I can't even remember who it was, but they saw him, and they were like, "I couldn't believe how small he was." And it's crazy to think that he's that small, but just that good at what he does. And, and and the funny thing is, you know, I was talking to a lot of people about promoting and about how to how to actually get 
that division making more money. If you walk up to Misha Johnson and MGM Grand, he's not a very uh, imposing person. So right. therefore, it's tough for if someone can't be scared of you, like a Mike Tyson or somebody like that. It, it's tough for them to 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 think of you as this gladiator. When in fact, man, he don't he don't shy away from get hit. He's been dropped in the fight against Dotson. He's been basically anybody else would have tapped to those submissions thrown up by Tim Elliott. Yeah, I mean he had them babies in deep. He's been in wars. He's been to a draw. And even when he fought Dominique Cruz, who basically just the span of his body made it difficult for him to even escape from bottom, he never stopped trying to win the fights. I mean, the mentality of that, just to continually go like a machine, conditioning has never been a problem. All these things add up. I mean, it just makes it very difficult for, for you not to put him in that category. Yeah, I, I'd have to say he is. Um, I don't know. but I, I mean, who knows, man? That's, that's just up until now, you know what I'm saying? Later, somebody, Tyron, you you going to get 11 too, so who knows? You know what I'm saying? We, All right, let's do it. You know, I ain't yeah, we, going to we going to We're going to have to 12. I'm competitive, so let's yeah. do it. So, Where am I at right now? Shit, three? Yeah, we, we get three right now? Hey, do you, count the, do you count the draw? You got to count the draw. You defended it. Oh, okay, with three. Yeah, you at three right now. Three so, of the hardest title defenses in UFC history, by the way, for the record. I mean, yeah, people, don't wanna, people don't want to talk about that. The the in prime opponents, the opponents that are on the tear at that moment, you usually so happen to meet them at their best point in their career, after they've ripped through seven victories, or after Stephen Thompson and um, Damian Maya have both had seven in a row, right? Some crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, they were definitely um, right there. You know what I'm saying? Right there. Each of those title defenses should count for at least one and three quarters. One and three quarters. <laughs> One and three quarters. So, we won't go full two, but come on. Hey, what so, can I say? I got some. I got some dope ass coaches. So yeah, but the thing is, so now we're talking about you know these, you know these next guys, man. There's a lot of uh, interesting fights coming up yeah. to kind of, you know, weed these guys out and see who's going to emerge as the next challenger. And I think one of them is uh, Stephen Thompson and Jorge Masvidal. Man, how do you? I agree. How do you? How do you it's break like that? This. You got. You got. Cowboy Cerrone. One thing I don't like about Cowboy, you put Cowboy against some tough competition. He either emerges and wins and looks dope, or he fucking crumbles. Yeah. And then they match him up with an opponent that's very favorable to try to give him a chance to bounce back. When everybody else is not a lot at that same type of... Now, this guy he's fighting is... This guy, Till, is freaking tough at striking. But... Yeah. He doesn't have the name. He's not fighting. Right. He didn't. He's not bouncing back on a Wonder Boy or Damian Maya or a, a Robbie Lawler or a person like that. So you got the you got the um, Cowboy Cerrone and Till fight. You got the mm-hmm. Wonder Boy and Masvidal fight. You got the um, such and such and Damian Maya fight. You got the <laughs> Robbie Lawler and RDA fight. So you got a lot of fights where the deck's going to get shuffled. I think the person that puts on the best performance is going to be the one that stands across the octagon. The only bad yeah. thing is I can actually see um, Stephen Thompson possibly pulling out a victory against Masvidal as well as Damian Maia against such and such. So with that said, those guys already beat. What if RDA loses to Robbie Lawler? So now you've got three guys that I've already defeated that are right back in position. So that kind of makes me look good. 
Yeah, I know, right? Because you can be like, ah, I just beat that guy. Ah, I just beat that guy. Nah, I'm good. I already, I already, nah, I just beat I that already guy. fought you twice. Um, I, but here's, here's another name that kind of gets lost in the shuffle. But I think he's one or two fights away from being right in the mix, and that's Usman. I knew you were going to say that, yeah. Yeah. You know, if, if he... RDA to dance... Had he had he gotten RDA to dance, he would have been in position. Yeah. If he's in shape and prepared to step in on last minute notice, if one person get injured, he's in position. Otherwise, yeah, he's still two fights away. You know what I mean? Um, and he's in a good position as well. Yeah, and I and I bring him up because it's interesting because when I'm looking at like his career path and what he's done in kind of a short amount of time, it it almost kind of reminds me. Of you a little bit. He kind of just needs he that. Did. that key. Yeah, he really did. He Never really did. I got it from. I got it from Rashad, who he's very close to. Yeah. He fight the right type of opponents at the right time. Yeah. Because when you look at his career path, he doesn't have a tremendous amount of fights, but every fight he's had really moved him up, and and he and he moved up and he did move up and he did it you like kind of like under that, the radar. Man, I take honor in competing against you know Masvidal, who's been in the games forever. You know, Stephen Thompson, who, you know, fought all these fights. Damian Maia, who was one victory shy, you know, of, of having most victories in UFC history. Those guys I respect, man. Usman. You know, at certain at a certain point, they should want to fight me, man. They they want to they doing this for not to be a champion. I will have to question your your heart. Your yeah, heart yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, they you are. Guys like you know, guys like freaking. Um, you remember Mike Perry pulled up on me at the event in um, Orlando. Yeah, I yeah. like that. I, I take yeah. pride in it. You saw, you saw how I got up when it was time to fight Carlos Condon because yeah. I respect him. So with that said, these guys should want to fight me. But it's the way that you do it. You shouldn't You should not be in position. Or you should not have earned it yet. You should not come off in a, a douchebag way. You know what I mean? It, it, makes, it, makes, um, it makes the sport look bad. Yeah, I don't get it, man. Like we, you know, we fight so hard to make the sport look presentable and honorable and noble, and you know, and and these guys that are at the top of the sport are always doing dumb shit to make it look bad. I mean, amongst then each they other, they want to unify all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that's unify. Dude, put on good fights, respect each other, and hey, and work on your own fucking branding. On your own without fucking feeling like you got to dog somebody else. Yeah. It's really kind of that simple. You know, stop. You don't need to dog somebody else to make yourself look better. Work, do it on your own. I agree. Speaking that's of Perry. That's why I don't give it any attention. Hey, speaking of Perry, I heard, and this could just totally be a rumor and speculation. I heard he might be fighting uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio now. That's a good fight. I forgot about yeah. Ponzinibbio. Yeah. So he's he another wraps- one. That wraps up everybody except Gunnar Nelson, so that's going to leave Gunnar Nelson and Usman maybe to fight. And at that point, everybody's paired up. Now I'll sit, sit at the top from the throne, and I'll take a gander down, and I'll see what they're doing down there. Well, I'm going to tell you now, when you talk about, like, um, you know, taking the right fights, I don't see Usman trying to fight Gunnar Nelson just because Gunnar just lost. I think Usman, uh, yeah. I think Usman's looking to fight. You know, I don't know who he's looking to fight, but... You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he called out Carlos Condit. Carlos Condit's fighting Neil Magny. That's another oh, fight I forgot about. He's fighting Neil Magny. Oh. Everybody's matched up. This is actually a exciting time for the welterweight division. Yeah. 
And so, <laughs> and you, and you, the king, just sitting down looking at it and watching you know, it. Funny, they, they they tried to say on Fox, the 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 lightweight division is the best division. I said, are you kidding me? Yeah. Because Connor's the champ, and he's not even going to defend the belt. You got to miss me with that. You see former champions, Robbie Lawler. You got to put Johnny Hendricks. You know, at some point, if he decides to keep on, he knows he's going to be better at welterweight. You got guys like him and Gaslam that aren't even in the rankings that are studs. Then you got Magni, Condit, Carl, you got um, um, Damian Maya, Wonderboy, uh, Masvidal, myself, Lawler. You got all these crazy killers, Cerrone, um, RDA, former champion that just came up. That's one division. Yeah, like, that's I the mean, toughest division in the in, in the world in any organization. It's not yeah. even questionable. And I'm yeah, leaving people out. Gunnar Nelson, Usman. Yeah, it's, a, it's an incredible talent pool. I mean, it's such a you know. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I I've always firmly believed that 170 has always, well, at least for the last couple of years, has been the toughest division. Just you know. Talent like guys can wrestle, the speed, knockout power. It's just a it's crazy medium division. speed, yeah. medium. Some guys have medium speed, medium power, good wrestling, good attacks. You know what I mean? I've been blessed to have maximum speed, maximum explosion, maximum power, and then you and Duke have helped me add the other stuff: economy, emotion, knowing when to explode, when not to explode. You know how to fight the the five rounds. Like five rounds ain't a nerve wrack to me anymore. You should be like, damn, man, it's five rounds. I don't even think about it that way. Yes, yeah, funny, funny how that works for every out, right? Round, you know yeah. what I mean? This round, I want to do that. That round, I want to do that. And if I stick to the theme, shit, I forget what round I'm in anyway. Yeah. And I'm breathing yes. easy when I walk out. So you know, when you talk about like this division, all these killers. I mean, and and something we didn't even think of is the reason why George Saint Pierre decided not to come back to welterweight. <laughs> <Of> <laughs> I mean, if that's not if that's not uh enough evidence to prove that this is the tougher division. I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what is. So what is going on with yep. that fight? You don't want them problems, man. You don't want yeah, them so, problems. Yeah, what's going on with that fight? He uh, said no. Bisbank oh, and... Uh, fight? Yeah. I think it's an evenly matched fight. Yeah, me um, too. is going to be a heavier opponent, but he doesn't pack a big punch. So, I mean, a lot of endurance. You can take a lot of uh, abuse, which has never veered Carlos away. You remember the John Fitch fight? He beat John Fish down forever. Remember, you know, the Carlos Condon fight, the Parisian fight, um, the, the Hardy fight. A guy not going away has never discouraged George St. Pierre. He, he has the best timing um, as far as his punches to takedowns. And Bisbee doesn't have the best takedown defense. But he does have the he does have the weight and he does have the ability. Um, he does have the ability to kind of put a put a little bit more pressure on um, George and George is George has been away for three years, almost four. Yeah. By the time he get in there, it's going to be a few a few days shy of four years. So the sport is caught up. Whatever advantage he had, whatever um, degree of separation he created by just being such a great martial artist, people have paid catch up. I think I've surpassed him. You know, he was a person I looked up to, but, but skill for skill, mindset, explosion, power, wrestling ability, um, timing, the strategy, um, all those things, I feel like I've surpassed George, and that's why I want to go out there and fight him and prove it. Yeah, it, what you say is some, you make some very interesting points, but in terms of his the fight against Bisbang, I almost feel like I'm giving George the advantage for that because I feel like 
he knew that that was the fight that he could win. Like, he didn't come back to welterweight, but he knew that was the fight. For some reason, he knew that was the fight that he could win based on what he's been doing these last four years. So he's I almost feel smart, like, man. yeah, he's a he smart a and he's a safe king, guy. He, he seems he's a pay-per-view king. He's already did what he needed to do in the welterweight division. Win or lose, he's not gonna do anything to tarnish his career against Bisbing. And also, he wants to make money. He's like, you know, forget that. I'm back. I see all this money, all these pay-per-views. Yeah, right. One point three, one point six, nine hundred thousand, one million. I built this model. Now I want to come in and participate in some of this money that's going out. Yeah. I mean, here's here's what I see happening, and I know you you want to fight him, and I know that's kind of been a goal, but I see George doing this. I see him beating Bisping, and then wanting to fight Connor. <laughs> it's like some I type of fight, yeah. But you have to be honest with the fans to say I'm here yeah. for money. Yeah, and that's because okay. no shame in that. No, no, but no, I think even more than just money, I think it's more of a a, a situation of these are guys that I match up really good against, and I can beat these guys. You yeah. know, I, I don't want to fight guys. But just know I'm going to call them out on myself. Yeah, keep calling them out, man. Maybe we can bait them. Draw, I'm going to want to fight the winner of that. I'm going to want to fight the winner of that of that fight. I mean, Bisming or or, or, or or George. And then I'm still going to want to come back and see all this fresh new talent in um, the welterweight division. I'm going to want to show them a little lesson, too. So I don't know if you all are done, but there's one fight I'd like to see for George St. Pierre. That isn't Tyron Woodley, and it's the only fight that makes sense to me that isn't Michael Bisping, or that isn't that isn't you, Tyron, and that would be uh, if George is going to come back and not fight for you for your welterweight championship, why isn't he fighting Anderson Silva? Because I think Anderson Silva is not the champion anymore. I think the, the, the time that the fight is interesting, everybody wants to see when they both the champion. So you think that like Michael Bisping would outsell George St. Pierre at the pay-per-view box office? Um... Nah, you mean you mean if it was um if it was you Anderson mean if Silva. it was Anderson Silva? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it's what tough what to say. Pay-per-views? You know, it's, it's tough to say with our fans just because Anderson Silva is um starting to starting to, you're starting to see the age catch up with him. He still is a you know phenomenal martial artist, but it's starting to get to the point where we can see the age difference kick in. Sure, no, I hear you. I just if that was going to be the fight, like if you told me that George St. Pierre is going to return and he's not going to fight the welterweight champion. I would say it's it's got to be Anderson Silva, but it's not. So what do I know? Well, Conor McGregor. Yeah, but I mean, I don't even. I'm not. I mean, unless the fights at, like, honestly, would you want to see George St. Pierre fight Conor at 170 or, or no? Like, unless unless George Why went down you? to 55. I mean, that's a disrespect to me. Right, I agree. I agree. So, like, even though it's a money fight per se, like, I guess maybe I'm more of a sporting purist that I just I can't handle the idea of George St. Pierre fighting at 170 to fight Conor McGregor. And, you know, Faraz Sahabi said years ago that George could make 55. I, I really don't want to see him do that to himself. What do I know? Dean, you're back. Hi. Yo, I'm back. Was, yeah, I, I think my service might have cut out. No worries. Uh, we were talking. If, if, if you were... If you were told before Michael Bisping was fighting George St. Pierre that GSP was going to come back and he was going to fight someone other than Tyron Woodley, would you be in line with me and think it would be Anderson Silva that he'd be fighting? Yeah, that's what I would think. Yeah. And that's a fight I would like to see. I'd like to see that more than Bisping, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Really? Well, no. I guarantee you one thing. Five years ago. George St. Pierre would rather have that fight than Bisping. Because obviously... 
Bisming is the best he's going to be, but he beat Anderson Silva. Right. True. Even though true, it was a close true, fight. True. But I think, true. I think, I think skill wise um, and just the style wise, Anderson is an easier matchup for George. Yeah. I mean, Anderson's not going to triangle choke or armbar George like he did Chelsea Sunday. So, therefore, it's a chance that he can take him down a lot. Yeah. And something about Anderson just not being as gritty as, yeah. you know what I'm saying? The I think, age kicks in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, he's he's definitely slower and, you know, not as gritty as Bisbing is going to be. But So, um, are we are we recording now? Oh, we're still recording. I was, oh, I was yeah, pulling we my MMA hat on. Yeah, yeah. We, we on a running clock, bro. We're not pulling punches <laughs> over here. Oh, I, all right. I ain't even. I ain't know, man. I heard. I heard. Uh, I heard TJ talking in the and the hey, the dude, chef you in the back. Benefit from that running clock and fighting though. Oh, was that 10, 15 minute round? That's something that you would thrive in. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, me, me and the Diaz brothers. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah, tell me about it. So that's it, man. I think I think we covered everything, huh? We we I got agree. it all out there. And we gotta we gotta make sure we bring it back. Make sure you guys check out my homie or Dana White looking for a fight. Check us both out again. So we get we come back at you with the morning wood show with these nuts. Also, the Trump shop and check me out every Friday on the TMZ YouTube page on Hollywood Be Down with Tyron Woodley. So we all over. We all over worldwide. That's right. Check us out, y'all. This has been the Morning Woods Show with these nuts. The Morning Woods Show with these nuts is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only. I thought Tyron almost got hit by a car there. No. Ah, I did. Get out, get out the street. I did almost get hit. You talking about that horn? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>